All right, hello and welcome to the Post to Post podcast. This is season five, episode three. Hello back again to all you YouTube viewers who may not have seen our intro last week. Uh, I'm Jason and that is Neil. Through the power of the internet again because we are in red phase and during red phase and orange phase in New Brunswick, we're not allowed to get together. So for the next while anyway, you're going to be seeing the podcast like this, unfortunately. Yeah. And I tried to go down in the podcast studio earlier but the laptop i have down there is not powerful enough to do this setup so i'm back in the most boring room in north america again so i apologize for that but it's going to take some work to be able to get me down there i don't know if i'm uh, willing to okay. put in that work right now <laughs> yeah there's there is a lot of work that needs to be done and uh, it's a shame that we couldn't finish it back down there even if you had to sat down there there are still blank shelves you would have you, so. you would have been looking at me <laughs> with gary bettman and a blank shelf is what i had yeah. behind me um so anyway, let's get off to the YouTube update first. We put a video out, I think it was Wednesday maybe, talking about our proposed change, which is starting with this podcast. And I'll, I'm going to tackle the main comment head on right away is, why don't you just upload the full video and then clips after that? Mm. And the answer to that is we tried that before. I don't know if you guys we remember, did. you can actually go back. We, st- we tried it when the channel first came out, actually, right? Episode 100, maybe it was 101. And those sub clips never got any clicks because in order for the algorithm to work, people actually have to be clicking on the videos that you're uploading. So if we yeah. upload the full episode and everyone is only watching the full episode, nobody is watching those sub clips. So those sub clips don't actually show up anywhere. So it's kind of a it doesn't work that way, unfortunately. And that that would be honestly, if we could do that, that's the best case, because then everyone can just click on the one video. They can watch it and then we get random people coming in, but YouTube doesn't work like that. So that's why we can't go to that, at least now with the channel being so small. So this way, when people click on the playlist, uh, by the way, check out the thing in the description. When they check out the playlist, they're actually going to each one of those videos. So those videos are getting clicks in a way, even if it's part of a playlist and it's automatic. But because those videos are getting views, they might be recommended now. So that, that is why we have to do it this way. It's yes, it's not ideal, but if we do it the way that everyone wants us to do, which I, and I understand from a viewer's perspective, I understand it. But if we do that, we're just shooting ourselves in the foot again. It's, it's, it's a lot more work creating the clips for like very, 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 very little views. Like I think some of those views had like 70 views and they might've even yeah. been people that already watched the podcast and they were just helping us out a little bit. Like, no, it just, it just doesn't work. And it, it sucks, but we're hoping that this way we're doing it. Now you literally click on one of these videos. Like you can see down in the corner, everything's mirrored down there in this corner it tells you what part of the video you're on so if you click on any video and your part whatever of whatever you just go into the playlist or the description for that video and just click on the playlist and it will take you to the first episode and they'll they'll all play in order so it's literally just one more click than clicking on a video like in theory so hopefully it works out you guys can let us know but this is what we're going to try and that's all i really have to say but i don't know if you've got anything to add but there was a lot of comments on that video and it was it was mainly saying well why don't you do it like this guy upload everything. And that's why it's the channel is so small that when we upload the one video, basically everyone just goes back to watching the one video. So instead of getting, you know, like 4,000 clicks across five videos, you're getting, you know, 600 clicks on one video as an example. So, yeah. And I think you should continue with the other part of your notes here when you talk about the financial stuff, because that's important. I did. Look at this. I have notes. We're back to notes, notes, people. I printed them. So (laughs) here's this is the reason, like when I was reading the comments and before I was talking to Neil, I actually made these notes separate from Neil. I don't, I don't even think I shared these with Neil. So I was just doing some nope. math in my head. So when people upload stuff to YouTube, they, if they do well, they make money from their work, which is obvious. Everybody knows that the podcast, we actually pay a fee 
to do our podcast and don't make money off of it. So it's like the opposite of YouTube. We're paying money (laughs) to put out a podcast that we do not make money off of, which is fine. We've been doing it for X amount of years now, and that's how it's been. So yeah, it's four years. It's $210 a year to host our podcast that makes no money. So it's literally a drain on everything. It, it doesn't contribute to anything. It just, that's what it is. So since we've been doing this for a couple of years now, there's been over $700 spent hosting our podcast that has made no money. So <laughs> that's been, it's been fun. <laughs> yes. And, and, and the thing is, is it's also a lot of work. So we're spending yes. money and putting a lot of work in for something that we don't get anything out of, which is fine because, you know, we're still doing it. But that's why we're trying to just change things up a little bit so that it can kind of balance out a little bit, if you know what I'm saying. Like, Exactly. And that's why when we got the table for the new setup, we did it through a donation process and we got a plaque built with all the names put on it and stuff because not only were we paying for the podcast fee to host it and our time doing it and stuff, uh, we were considering dropping another $250 or whatever it was on a backdrop and, and a desk and stuff. And at that point, it was even more money being put into the, into something that doesn't make money. So. Yeah. And we just put more money into it because we just built a couple of new shelves yeah, down exactly. there, that which you haven't seen yet because I haven't been able to be down there. But so yeah. suffice it to say, the podcast is kind of a drain on everything else. And we're just trying to balance that a little bit. And we hope you guys can understand that. I know some of you aren't happy with it, but the way I'm looking at it is this is literally just one more click. Like you just click on any video that comes to your email or you see published on YouTube, go into the description, click on the link. It takes you to the first episode and they will all play through automatically. And that's, that's all we're asking for is your support that way to try to help us out a little bit. And like I said, if this doesn't work, then we'll, we'll try to come up with something else. But in theory, we think this, this should work. Yeah. It's a, obviously it's not ideal on your end, but it's an extra 10 to 20 seconds on your end. If you don't mind doing it and, Clicking the thing in the in the description should be exactly the same as a full podcast, basically. And I also have one more note about money. Not that I don't really want to talk about money, but um, our Discord bot on our on, on Discord was being hosted by Fro at his work, who is a good friend of ours in Texas. He actually mm. switched jobs and he had an Amazon web server from his work that he was giving us to free for free to use. We don't have that anymore. So we actually had to go out and pay for our own VPS so now we have another expense on top of everything where we're hosting that Discord bot for people to have predictions and stuff like that. So there's just there's just a lot of expenses and we're just trying to balance things. And as much yeah, as it sucks, I just hope everyone understands that where we're coming from. We're not trying to be greedy here. We're just, you know, it's a lot of work. There's a drain. We're just trying to see if we can come up with something that doesn't impact the viewer too much, but it helps us on our end. So it does. It costs a lot of money to make videos um, when you're focused on quality. Uh, we'd play we or I guess I pay for the. Uh, Adobe Creative Cloud Suite, that is $80 Canadian a month, not a year, a month. And uh, Jason has the other license of that. He, there's two licenses that come with it. He's got one, I've got the other. Um, so that's a that's a huge cost. That is paid for through what I make on the production channel. And then what else is there? The giveaways and all that stuff that happens every single month. So it's <laughs> it's great that we're making a little bit of money and to be able to do these things, but uh, we need to focus on the podcast making some money and it balancing itself out. Like, like you said, Jason. Right. So I think we're good there. If you guys still want to have comments about it, that's fine. You can leave them in here. That's what this video is for. This is, this is only going to be the intro video for you people watching on YouTube for you people listening. None of this affects you because, because if you're just listening to the audio version, everything's kosher. It's the same, but we made some changes to YouTube recently. If you don't know, 
And this is the first episode on YouTube that we're trying those changes. So we're good. Mm, or this, the second round of these changes. The second round. This is modified <laughs> yeah. changes based on the first round of feedback. Yeah. I'm good to go. All right. So we had a blockbuster trade. A we did. massive a little, trade. A little early in the season for a blockbuster. I am very surprised with this trade because I did not think there would be a trade that included a Canadian and American team because of the border. I was like, there's no I, way it's going to happen. And then it I'm happened. Glad you, I'm glad you mentioned it because I want to discuss that. We can, we can talk about now or after the trade, but it needs to be discussed about quarantining and stuff. Oh, yes. I haven't read anything about that. Have I have. You? Yep. Okay. So let's, let's, get, let's get into the trade. I'm sure everybody knows about it, even though it just happened yesterday. But if, you're, if, you're, if you've been living under a rock or you just haven't been paying attention to hockey for the last little while, uh, Patrick Laine and Jack Rosselvik. Yep. Winnipeg for Pierre-Luc Dubois and a 2022 third round pick. And when I first saw this, I thought Columbus made it like bandits. And I still kind of have that position. I was watching the panel in Hockey Night in Canada last night. Brian Burke thinks it was fair on both sides. I don't know. It's so like Pierre Luc Dubois is a good center. He's a good center and he has room for growth. That's his hometown ish. He's going to want he's going to want to play good for them. But he's leaving one market that people for some reason, don't seem to want to stay in and going to another market that people don't really like going to either. <laughs> now it helps that he's from there, but I don't know if you guys seen it, but the, the lot, well, we're going to get into his benching in a different segment, but the, the amount of effort he showed on his last shift he played before he was benched was just like, Oh, and like, how do you trade a player that's showing that kind of effort? But obviously other GMs in the league realize what kind of a, you know, he's a top center for sure. But I mean, Patrick Lane. I don't know. He hasn't hit his peak yet. And, and I don't know, like this trade, I just like Columbus should have had their feet to the fire on this because this guy was literally doing everything they could to make them look bad and to get him out of there. And for somehow, I think they ended up winning this trade. Like we're going to tell in the future, but I was just like, wow, I cannot get over this trade. It's, it's such an odd trade. It's a very strange trade where both players have been criticized for having effort or attitude or personal problems, however you want to classify it, they've had the spotlight on them for that reason and and inconsistency as well. Line eight more inconsistent than Pierre-Luc Dubois. But it it's just an odd trade. It leads it leaves a gap in the center position in Columbus. Um but they get back a player who could contribute, I think, more offensively than Pierre-Luc Dubois in Patrick Line. But Line's contract is about to run out. And I don't think we're going to be able to say who wins this trade until we find out what happens with Line A, whether he stays with Columbus, whatever, whatever he signs for, or if he gets traded or flopped to somewhere else and what Columbus gets back. So I don't think we can say who wins the trade rate yet. I like the Roslevic thing coming into Columbus. I, I think that's that's awesome on, yeah. on Columbus's side. And he's a good player really, and really he like resigned that. for two years. So they've got him for two yeah. years. So Absolutely. I, I love that. that. That's my favorite part of the entire trade. Uh, the pick going back, that's negligible. That's not even yep. worth discussing. We have no idea what that's going to turn into. Yep. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think his father or his stepfather is the assistant coach for the Manitoba Moose yep. in the AHL, something like that. So yep. there's connections there. It makes sense for him to go to Winnipeg. I I still worry about the attitude problem, though. Uh, he came out and did an interview talking about basically praising Tortorella. I think he was saving face there a little bit and... Um, trying to protect his image a, a little bit. I'm sure he meant some of it, but I don't think he meant all of it to be completely boldly honest. Uh, but I think Line a needs to get his consistency in order 
and he's shown he's been pretty decent this year as far as he's been showing some aggression. I like that. Hope he brings that to Columbus. And Pierre Luc Dubois, hopefully he fits in better in in Winnipeg. I'd, I I I'm not even going to tell you my opinion on who I think won the trade because I don't know. I want to wait six months. Yeah. And then I'll then I'll decide. It's 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 kind of weird because Columbus center depth is now very thin with this. It's pretty anemic. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't playing very well for them anyway, to be honest. But it's it's there. There's a gap there. There's definitely a a need to plug that maybe in the future. But mm. um, how do you think Line is going to get along with uh, Tortorella? That's a whole nother like that could be a, its own separate video and conversation. It's just ugh, there's such a dynamic between Tortorella and players. You hear some players really like him because he's 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 a hard nosed coach, and some players absolutely hate him. So I have a feeling that Line a won't be in. I don't want to make any predictions, but I have a <laughs> feeling that Line a won't be in Columbus long enough to really form a, a like or hatred towards Tortorella. Uh, and if he's there long term, I think, I think it's going to be a battle. I think Line a has, he's, I think he's f- kind of a quiet person, but at the same time, he doesn't really like to be spoken down to. Even though you know he, the coach is superior. Yep. I just and and Tortorella is like the be all end all speaking down coach. <laughs> so I I'm worried that if he does stay long-term, and I mean long-term as in like the rest of the season. By the end of it, he might be gone regardless. So I I do have a gut feeling that he's they're going to flip him. There's already groomers with Montreal. Again, and I'm tired of it, but Deneau uh, turned down a deal in Montreal. He's a centerman. Deneau going to Columbus with some pieces for line A, giving Montreal more offense on the wing. Uh, that's a... Who knows what what will happen there? But mm-hmm. still, there's already conversations of Columbus flipping Line A. So what does that say about Line A? And what does it say about Columbus? <laughs> so I don't know. Um, we're going to get into Columbus in the next block here in a second, but I want to talk about yeah. the the border travel with this trade and get your opinion on it. So Canadian government mandates 14 day quarantine to everybody that crosses the border. Doesn't matter who you are, what you are. Period. But when the NHL started their training camps, they got permission to do a seven-day quarantine with four um, negative tests done in a okay. quick succession or whatever. Because they said, hey, we're bubbling our players right now. They're flying on a private jet. Mm. And they're going to be bubbled. Well, not bubbled, but basically quarantined in their own self-bubble when they arrive. So mm. Winnipeg is pushing for this right now. They want to do seven days with four tests. Because they're basically saying, we're taking him out of Columbus's situation putting them in ours. It's the same rules for everybody in the national hockey league. We did this before. Can we do this now? And it's in the hands of the government right now. The government is considering it. So what is your opinion on it? Do you think this should fly with a seven day or do you think the full 14? How does it work with the other way around? Does line, have to quarantine the other way around is he goes 14 days by himself. He's not allowed to be around anyone, which is the mandate for everybody. And apparently not to get too off topic with this, there's been a loophole in Canada and the States where you can't cross the border like in your car. They'll turn you around saying, you know, non-essential travel, you got to go back. But for flying, completely different story. People have been able to go back and forth. They're just being told to quarantine when they get there, which is yeah. up to you. Like quarantine when you get there, but we're not going to enforce it. We're just going to take your word that when you get there, you're not going to be around anybody. Exactly. So they've actually come out. The government's actually come out and saying they're trying to close that loophole and make 
Uh, mandatory 14 day quarantines happen in a hotel at the expense of the person coming into the country. So they're oh, trying, wow. they're trying to crack down on it right now with the new government that's being set up in the States. Well, at yeah. the same time, Winnipeg is saying, Hey, we want an exception to get in shorter. So I'm not sure if it is, if it's a bad look for the government to say, yeah, let your guy come in while we're cracking down on everyone else. Or if it's just, well, the precedent's already yeah. been set with, with, you know, your policies. And we already know that you're, you're following a certain set of rules that we agreed to. So it's fine. So if I, I was a betting man, I'd say, <laughs> I'd say he's probably going to get through with the seven days. If I was a betting man, it'll but probably I won't be surprised happen. if it doesn't. It, it's my opinion that whatever line has to wait, Pierre Lecturebois should have to wait or vice versa. Uh, I know obviously different rules, different countries, but as far as fairness goes, just make them both wait the 14 days if you have to. And then that way it's fair. But I think because of this, you're going to see way less trades now, especially between border teams, because they're going to look at this and be like, oh, well, geez, we have to give up a Ross, a good roster player potentially for 14 days. That's it's a lot of games. It's a lot of yep. points on the line in a 56 it's, game season. Seven so. games Dubois has to sit right now. That's if, a huge percentage. This, this yeah, absolutely. Especially with a 56 yeah. game season. That, yeah, I don't even know the math on that. I can do it. But so, yeah, that's all we got on the uh, on the trade. Definitely a blockbuster, definitely a shocker. And Neil's probably right. And he'll say, we'll wait to see who won. But from my early judgments, I'm saying Columbus absolutely stole this just because I, I don't think they should have been able to get the return that they did on the player they had and the, the way he was acting. I'm just I'm just shocked that. And maybe that goes to there being that many teams in on him, like Montreal and a bunch of other teams. Yeah. Maybe maybe there was a high demand and the teams were bidding against each other. And that was the price you had to pay. So I don't know. But. Could be. Uh, I like Pierre, Pierre-Luc Dubois' game. Uh, I think he's a really good centerman. So much potential. I suspect Columbus will get a better return on line A later this year than they did on Pierre-Luc Dubois right now. Mm-hmm. So they got Rosalic plus maybe a better return. Um, but that's just going back a little bit. It's 12.5% of uh, their games this season. Of seven games. Missed a quarantine. Yep. Interesting. All right. So speaking of Columbus, I want to segue into the next clip. I want to um, I want to ask you if you think Columbus has a culture problem. That's what I called this. I, usually I, I don't look at your notes, but I did in advance. So I'm excited to kind of talk this out. OK, so I was just thinking before this. These notes were written before the trade happened, because the trade is obviously the newest news we basically have in our notes because it just happened yesterday. So if anyone's seen Pierre-Luc Dubois' last shift, like we were just talking about in, in the previous segment, it was like low effort. There was no stopping. There was no starting. He was just doing circles around the ice. He went into the the corner and there was no effort at all to try to win that puck. He just walked in between the two players and was like, oh, I didn't get it. And then he went off the ice and that was it for him. Yeah. Whenever he lost that battle, he just kind of like, like I've heard of players not trying before. That is the most not trying I've ever seen in recent memory. Like there was there was no like and I don't know if that was him trying to take his trade to the next level to enforce, to make sure that he didn't play again for that team and get moved. Like maybe that was purposeful on him or maybe he just didn't care. But like, I mean, when you're a player, you always got to try no matter whether you like your situation or not. But so anyway, that got me thinking like, what's his deal with Columbus? And I, is it John Tortorella? Is it, is it the city? Is it the location? Is it the front office? Like there's something going on here that he hasn't really told the story of why he doesn't want to be here anymore. Is it, doesn't think they're going to win. Doesn't like his minutes. Doesn't like his role. Doesn't like the other guys in the room. Like, what is it? And then I got thinking, there's been a bunch of other people that have wanted out of Columbus too. And 
not just anybody's like they're the best players on the team at the time have wanted out of there. Yeah. So uh, Panarin wanted out, wanted to go to the big city. He, he did, yeah. wanted out their goaltender. Rick Nash back in the day asked for a trade. I mean, there's been plenty yes, of star right. players that wanted out of Columbus. And the question is why? Because it seems like Columbus is a pretty cool city. Like I've never been to Columbus, but from everything I've seen, it, it's, you know, it's not a small city. It's not like a mega large city. It's not the big light city, but I mean, from what I've heard, like the amenities and stuff are great. The location's fine. Like, so why yeah. are these people wanting out? Like, is there, is the team being run poorly? Like Rick Nash wanted out. That was before, uh, you know, John Tortorella was there, but right. So I've, what's the deal? I've not really heard negative things about Columbus, but I haven't really heard positive things about Columbus either. Uh, it's just kind of one of those cities, I guess. I've never been there either, so I can't really speak about what it's like to live there, what it's like to be there. But I've never heard anything really truly negative about Columbus. So I I don't think it's based on location because it's also a bit centrally located and it's kind of, you know, you could drive in any direction and get to another big city pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think, I can't, I can't imagine it's weather and location related. Like so, I thought like the state of Ohio, when you, when you, when you put a stigma to it or stereotype, it's like, oh, it's Ohio. Like, but Columbus is not that stereotype. It's, you know, it's a happening city. Like they have nightlife, they've got restaurants. You know, like, there's, there's plenty of reasons to want to be in Columbus. I would think like just from the outside looking in. So yeah, geographically, I don't think it, I don't think it's, I don't think that plays a factor. So my first question is, is it John Tortorella? Is it the coaching? Is he wearing his players down too much? And here's the one thing I will say to that. And I don't think it is when I say this, like that was the first thing I thought of, but then the more I thought about it, I don't actually think it's Tortorella because, and you alluded to it with the, uh, with the Ron McLean interview where he kind of didn't say, he said it wasn't when Dubois left, he said it wasn't John Tortorella, the reason he wanted out. There's been plenty of other players that have backed John Tortorella and said that he's not the reason for all this. And, um, I think it was Eddie Lack or someone was just put a comment out a couple of days ago saying, I don't know why Torts is getting all the hate. The players generally like work playing for him. He's really hard mm-hmm. on people, but he's, he's doing it for their own good. But I could see yeah. how he run, rubs people the wrong way completely. I do well, think yeah, he's, he's a good n- coach, but it's just his style of coaching. It may not be for everybody. And I don't know if that's part of the reason. Like, I don't know if it's the front office. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, there's so many questions. Like, why are all the star players in Columbus it's not all of them, obviously, but a lot of them are, are just wanting out and we're not hearing why they want out. Columbus has grown since Tortorella has come in. They've had decent success, more success than they've ever had in the history of the team. So even if he's that hatred coach and you hate being underneath of him and stuff, the proof is in the pudding. Like the team has did very well the last couple of years. And even if you're going through that coach, giving you a hard time, if, if, if his style and if his coaching style is putting you in a place where you can be competitive and potentially win the Stanley Cup and have a really, really good team, I don't think your personal issue with with John Tortorella has any kind of significance. So kind of like you, at first I'm like, well, yeah, maybe the Tortorella situation does have some factors in uh, people leaving. But the more I think about it, I, I don't. I don't think that. I think people don't like him as a person probably a lot, <laughs> but as a coach... I don't think he's the reason that people are leaving. Do you think it's the front office or do you think this is all just a coincidence that, and it's fair. A coincidence is definitely a fair answer. Do you think it's just coincidence that it just happens to be this market or just getting certain players that just for whatever reason, don't want to be in that market. 
and there's not necessarily a reason, or do you think there is something here and we're just not hearing what it is? I think it might be a little bit of coincidence, but I think the biggest reason is what, what is there elsewhere? So in Bobrovsky's standpoint, he, there's Florida, Florida's a beautiful state. They've also have some pretty, uh, you know, uh, talented players on that team as well. Panarin wanted to go to the big city. It's New York City. Who, who doesn't want to live and, and play in New York City? Uh, and other players who who went elsewhere. I don't think it's anything to do with Columbus being bad or the players being bad or the coaching staff or the front office or whatever. I just think there's potentially the grass is greener on the other side. There are better things elsewhere. I would rather live in Florida than I would rather live in Ohio. <laughs> I'd rather live in New York City than I would rather live in Columbus. I don't think there's anything wrong with Columbus. I just think they're higher tiered places elsewhere. Maybe. Yeah. Does that make sense? That's, I think that's fair. So, I mean, that's all I really wanted to, to say about that. I did have some John Tarlerola quotes in here talking about Dubois, but now that he's traded, I, they're not really relevant anymore. He basically just defended himself and said why he, you know, why he benched him and what, what he said, you know, and the stuff I read about his quotes makes sense. He's like, I don't care who you are, where you came from, where you were drafted, how much money you made. You're going to follow my, philosophy and the team's philosophy and if you don't then i don't have time for you and that's i think that's yeah, that's I, totally fair totally fair and john tortorella did nothing wrong in this situation absolutely nothing wrong he benched a player that should have been benched absolutely like and i was watching tsn overdrive that has a couple like uh noodles and odog on it who are former players and both of them were just saying like you can't you can't have that effort as a player, regardless of what your situation is, like it just looks yeah. so bad on you. It doesn't matter if you're being mistreated or whatever. You have to give at least some level of effort or a minimum level of effort. And it was like they just basically said it was a dog crap shift. And yeah, it they was. were like, it was they were like, is he ever going to play another game? And next day it was a Friday episode. Next day he gets traded. So, yeah. Wild. Hmm. So that's that. Let's jump over to uh, your stuff here. Yeah, I just wanted to quickly talk about some of the statistics so far in the, in the NHL season. Some surprises. I want to start off with the current top six teams in the NHL right now. And I tell you, I wouldn't have predicted this. I, I don't think it. you would have I, predicted this. I am not going to love it or lie about it. I have a couple friends. You're one of them that are Montreal Canadiens fans. And I actually told them, like, I am actually loving this situation right now. I don't know why I'm a Bruins fan. Obviously, I'm wearing the shirt. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just love it. He made a lot of trades on the offseason and it's paying off. And I love it when that happens because it promotes change. And hopefully it makes more things like that happen to other people who just because Bergevin for so long was just staying status quo. And you and your dad were just railing on him saying this. This guy's got to go. He's not doing anything. They got so much money. And he finally goes out and does stuff. And the team is rewarding him for it. And I love to see it. Yeah, it's it's a, it is a good story. Like you can hate Montreal all you want. And I know there's a lot of Montreal haters out there. And I know you, I'm not talking about you. You don't literally hate Montreal. No, nope. you're a Boston fan. You don't like Montreal. I like the still, rivalry. Yeah. From a hockey fan's perspective, put your hatred aside. The story of Montreal is really good this year, which as a Canadians fan, I know we're in Winnipeg right now for you visual uh, listeners or viewers, whatever. Uh, but I'm a Canadians fan and I, f I feel great about the team being at first so montreal is number one in the league right now 10 points six games played however i will say that they didn't look that great against the maple leafs in their first game edmonton is the exact same team that i thought that they would be this year which is not great defensively and then they played three games against vancouver who gave up more odd man opportunities 
than any team I've ever seen in the history of the NHL. So while Montreal has played very well, I'm not trying to discredit Montreal, they didn't play super, super strong teams in the six games that they played. Mm-hmm. So I'm my hopes are still not super high. I want to see them play against better teams. Uh, I want to see them play against Winnipeg. I think that's going to be a that's going to be a battle. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, moving down the list, Vegas is is second, eight points in five games. That's not a surprise for me. Nope. I, I did predict them to win the Stanley Cup, so I'm I'm glad that they had a good uh, start to the season. And third place is Winnipeg with uh, eight points in five games. And I guess there's just a, one big long tie here. Minnesota Wild, eight points in five games. Washington Capitals, eight points in five games. And the Maple Leafs with eight points in six games. So the Minnesota one surprises me a little bit. I'll definitely admit that. Winnipeg, not so much. Vegas, not so much. Washington, a little bit. They're a little stronger than I thought they'd be. Maple Leafs, definitely not. Uh, do, do any of these surprise you at all? Uh, I don't think so. Montreal will probably be the one that surprised me. I didn't think Montreal would be number one, but I didn't peg them for like last either. Like I thought they'd probably be like, between two and four, probably in the North yeah, Division. That's, like that's I, that's where I had them. Yeah. There's, you know, I didn't know if they were going to be two or four, but I didn't think they'd be lower than that because I thought they made some good changes. I will say one yeah. that's not on the list to surprise me is Boston. I'm actually surprised Boston. Like in the last couple of games they've played, they've done a lot better than how they started the season. I thought yeah. how they started the season, that's how they were going to be. And and my dad is the most positive Bruins fan you'll ever meet. He's <laughs> like, doesn't matter how much I get down on them, he's like, oh, we'll turn it around. Even he was down on them, saying, you know, we're just not that good. We're, we're starting our rebuild. The, the the veterans are getting older. We're transitioning to the new core. It's just going to take a few years. But they've been playing a lot better. Like, we've been scoring a lot of goals. The top line's been great. Uh, we've still got Pasternak out. So I am surprised that Boston is hanging in there. I think they're in second in the division right now. Mm. Um, but that's all I got to really say about that, I guess. Yeah, they had a bit of a slow start. That was that was surprising. I we mean, couldn't as score. a Canadiens fan, I liked it, but it, it was multiple games where I couldn't get a five on five goal, and it's just like these guys don't know how to score anymore. And then the gates have just been blown open the last couple of games, so that's very good to see. And hopefully, it continues. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about was six teams off to a bad start this year, and some are predictable, like the top teams, and some of them, you know, maybe not so predictable. So. Chicago Blackhawks, only three points in five games. Senators, three points in five games. Sabres, three points in five games. Rangers, three points in four games. Canucks, four points in seven games. Uh, Oilers, four points in six games. Which of these teams should we should we be concerned about and which fit right in? I think Vancouver is a concern. I think Vancouver had really high hopes going into this season. Yeah. Um, I am kind of surprised by New York. I thought New York would be doing a little bit better. Like this was the division that I thought, wow, this division's crazy. I thought Buffalo yeah. might do a little bit better as well. Like when, when when I was looking at the Boston's the division Boston was in, I was just like, wow, like which of these teams is not going to make it? And you know, we can like it's early, right? So slow starts. Yeah. Um, Chicago, I'm not necessarily surprised, but their playoff run kind of was a little bit better than maybe they were. Like maybe they showed a spark that they didn't really have. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of not really surprised by it, but. And Ottawa, yeah, I am a little bit surprised because I had, I pegged Ottawa dead last in the division before the season started. I was like, these guys suck. It's going to be up to the other six teams to figure out which four get in. Yeah. And, but then I actually thought Ottawa was playing OK. Like, even though they weren't necessarily were. winning games, I was like, I'm actually super impressed by what Ottawa's doing right now. Like they're. Yeah, they're sticking to two people. But then when I actually look at where they are in the division, and how many <laughs> points there, it doesn't matter how well you look. It matters what numbers on paper. And there they are. So, yeah. Yeah, they clawed back in a couple of games, but still, uh, that's, it's a growth year for, for Ottawa. They could come in 15th or they come in 31st. It doesn't really matter. No one, Everyone knows they're almost certainly not going to win the Stanley Cup. 
or probably even make the playoffs. It's going to be, it's a hard division. So it's a, it's a growth year for Ottawa. So I'm fine with them being where they are right now. The Blackhawks, goaltender issues and Jonathan Taves in like in, injuries and stuff on the team. So I'm not super surprised by Chicago, but I thought, I didn't think they'd be like this bad starting out. Same with you with, with the Sabres. Thought that they'd be better. Rangers, I'm going to chalk it up to a lot of personnel or a lot of roster changes and new people coming in, the kids and learning the ropes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they'll get better as time goes on. Uh, Canucks are where I am concerned strongly. I've just watched them play three games uh, because they played the, my team, the Montreal Canadiens. I watched all those games. I have the turnovers and the odd man rushes and the inability to score. And some of that is credit to Montreal. Uh, but still, it's, I am super concerned about this about this team starting off. Uh, Patterson is almost invisible. Bo Horvath has been trying to take the team on his back and just yep. just run with it. He's he's scoring. He's 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 fighting. Toffoli ran into Holtby the other night or last night, and uh, Bo Horvath turned around, went back, and tackled uh, Toffoli in the net. Former teammates Former from last teammate, year. Yeah. Uh, so I I like to see that. That's why that's why I love Horvat. So I'm hoping that him leading by example sparks the rest of the team and they turn it around. But yeah. I predicted them to be first in the Canadian division. <laughs> I'm a little nervous right now. So Vancouver needs to get their act together. And I absolutely love that the Edmonton Oilers are in the bottom right now. Not because I dislike them. Not because I dislike any players in the team. But when I released my prediction video, and I think I put them fifth or sixth. Actually, I think I think there were sixth in my, in my predictions. A bunch of Oilers fans just ripped me to pieces in the comments saying, oh, they've got depth along the wing. They've got depth down the middle. Their defense isn't as bad as you say it is. And exactly what I predicted, and this doesn't happen often, but exactly what I predicted about their their style of play, it's exactly what's happened so far this year. And I, I don't understand, I don't, I don't understand how people can, Oilers fans specifically, and not all Oilers fans were saying that, just yeah. some. I don't understand how they can defend the team because they clearly have gaps that need fixed. So... I I want Edmonton to do, to do good, but I'm happy that they've had the start that they've had selfish because it makes my prediction look better. <laughs> if um, that makes sense. I, I mean, they have kind of the same style as Toronto does in a way where, you know, it's yes, depth, depth in the middle, it's forward power, but big deficiencies defensively. And I mean, I'm, I'm not here or there on Edmonton. They're whatever to me. They're just like, I like Connor McDavid. I like, you know, obviously, but I can see that as, as someone who doesn't watch a lot of the West Coast games because they're gone too late, even yeah, I, yeah. when I watch them, I can see the deficiencies on defense that they have or the gaps they have. And it's very similar to Toronto, the way I look at it. So they're, they're built for offense. And when that offense isn't delivering or if it's just not delivering enough and the, and the defense is just not having a good night, teams make them pay. And it, I don't know. It, it has to be addressed. Like, I don't, I don't see how this team gets better without addressing that. No, they need more depth. It's just they need more support it's as simple as that i mean mm-hmm. you can't defend it you just you can't it's the proof is there so that's all i have to talk about for as far as bad teams <laughs> but i want to talk about the top players so far this year as far as points at the top seven there's a bit of a tie usually you do top fives and stuff but i've had to add top six and top seven here recently but top seven of points kyle connor nine points heck yeah mitch minor eight points predictable Bo Horvat for a team that's not playing well, eight points. Like you said, trying to carry, trying to carry that team on his back. 
Yes, trying to carry the team on his back. He's third in points, tied for second in points in the league, and this, the team is doing awful. So, Bo Horvat, you get a massive stamp of approval. Uh, Kevin Hayes, super underrated in the NHL, eight points as well. I was just going to say that. I am very happy about the Kevin yeah. Hayes one because he doesn't absolutely he doesn't get enough love that he sometimes deserves. He's he's overshadowed. He's just you know if you watch the broadcast, you know everyone loves him, but he's just one of those players that just doesn't get mentioned a lot in the grand scheme of things. Why. So huge shout out to Kevin Hayes. Yeah, he's been underrated every single team that he's ever played for. So yep. I love the fact that he's up there. That makes me super happy. Uh, Tyler Toffoli's in fifth. Probably the only time a Montreal Canadiens player has been in the top five in points in 25 years, maybe. And he's been pumping uh, those points against his former team. Yeah, yeah. He's that's, lit that's them up, the best which part. is great. <laughs> and he missed a wide open net last night, too. So he could really have nine points in there. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm happy about that. Uh, Mark Shifley, eight points. And Mark Stone, eight points. Not yep. really a lot of surprises on this list. I'm I'm pretty happy with uh, with how that's panned out so far. Uh, so that's basically all I have as far as my statistical conversation. I want to talk about some COVID updates real quick and some some stuff because there's been news with COVID stuff. I don't know what we're going to call this clip because on YouTube we're going to have to call it something else because anytime you mention COVID, they brand it. So oh, yeah. even though this is about COVID, it's more about the stuff around it. It's not necessarily about COVID. So the big news right. this week was the Washington Capitals got fined 100 grand for breaking COVID protocols. It kind of surprised me. The statement the NHL put out was super vague. And I, I have these notes in order of how things happen. So it kind of gives you the timeline. So they just, yeah. they released a statement on Wednesday. It said National Hockey League announced today is fine. The Washington Capitals $100,000 for player violations of the league's COVID-19 protocols, which involve social interaction or interactions among the team members who were in close contact and who were not wearing face coverings. Which ended up being a bunch of Russian players in a hotel together in the same hotel room. Hmm. So the Washington Capitals then put out a statement saying that the the training staff was has worked extremely hard to create a safe environment for all of the players to be able to complete the season. We are disappointed by our players' choice to interact in their hotel room and and outside team approved areas. So again, just kind of this is what happened. There was t- people, there was players, and then Elliot Friedman went on Twitter and he he basically said it was Kuznetsov, Orlov, Ovechkin, and Samsonov were the four players that were in the room and that's what's going on. And now they're on a four day or four game quarantine because they tested positive for COVID. (laughs) And then Ovechkin put a statement out saying that, you know, he regretted his, his spending time with his teammates in a room, basically like I'll do better in the future. Did you say they did test positive for COVID? I think they did test positive. Did they not? I'm almost positive. Yeah. So they're they're going to miss four games or whatever. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but no, I think they did test positive. Oh, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but I'm pretty sure that's what I I read. Regardless, you broke the rules at their very like the NHL would have just pounded the the rules home to them, to these teams and players. Uh, I I want to ask you something. This is in my notes. Do you think the rules are a little bit foolish? Did you read the statement that Ovechkin's (laughs) wife put out? Uh, I did not know. Okay, so she put out a a statement. I don't have my notes, but I'm going to paraphrase that basically said, oh, so the four Russian players on the team hang out in a room and bad news, you're going to spread COVID to everybody. But sitting next to the bench, next to your teammates, hugging each other after a goal, being in the locker room together, those are all fine. You can't get COVID that way. But the only way to get COVID is to be in a hotel room with the same people you're doing all that stuff. It's basically what she said. Yeah, I, I agree and disagree with her at the same time. I, I, th- I think it is a bit silly that you can't, I mean, you spend three hours together 
basically touching cheeks yeah. during a game and you can't hang out in a hotel room. You'd have you'd be distanced more in the hotel room than you would playing hockey you're together. You're literally sweating, touching shoulders on like, the yeah. yeah. And like someone scores a goal, like you're running down the bench, you're hugging on the ice, like <laughs> yeah. she's she's got points. And yeah. she's also kind of just overreacting because obviously it's her husband too, and she thinks they're picking on the Russian players. Yeah, which is foolish. <laughs> that's that's just <laughs> yeah. silly. Um some other news was Carolina's games got postponed. Uh, five players put on COVID-19 protocol. And that's mm. funny because those games were against Florida, who also missed another two games <laughs> oh, against shit. Dallas. So Florida's yeah, only played that. two games this season. They've had four games <laughs> postponed when no one on their team has tested positive. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Florida. So, so they've played two games, Florida, in 13 games or 13 days. So the 13 yeah. days that the season has started, Florida's only played twice. Which means they have to play the remaining 54 games over the next 103 days, which is less than every other day. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Do you think that's like them getting more rest and maybe more I practice think it's is a bad. good thing long term? I think it's bad think it's because good. they're getting the rest now. If, yes. if somehow the gap was later, then that would be a good thing because they're, they're able to rest. Their schedule is going to be way harder now, and it's not any fault of their own. Like, if a team breaks... Say this was... This was Washington and Washington had this thing happen where they were weren't being responsible and they had to miss four games and then that was going to cause their schedule to be condensed and a little bit harder. That's on them for being stupid and not following the rules. Florida didn't do anything wrong here. That <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're they're paying for other people's problems, and I just think that's really unfortunate. So I felt like saying that. Like it is. Uh, just taking a step back real quick. This conversation is absolutely ridiculous. Think about where we are right now. We're, <laughs> We're not even talking about hockey. Yeah. We're talking about medical stuff that's preventing teams to play. If like, I guess I can't even say a year ago, cause this is kind of when COVID started, but a year and a half ago, can you imagine talking about this? Like what the hell's going on? <laughs> like, yep. this is crazy. Yep. Um, I want to ask you about the Nashville Carolina game. This is something that I thought of. Um, so Carolina, played Nashville on Monday, I believe. And then they played them on Tuesday or the Tuesday game was canceled because of some testing. Right. People were showing symptoms or whatever. How come, how come Nashville wasn't quarantined when they just played them the day before? Like physical contact play, you know, they're, you know, mm. you could easily yeah, spread it to the other even team. If they were, yeah. If they were in, if Nashville was infected, uh, they might not test positive for a couple of days later. That's right. So I think you're, I think you're right. Why weren't they? I don't know. I'm just wondering. Quarantined like, a little bit. Because they said the game on Tuesday was canceled because of an abundance of caution to ensure the health and safety of the players. But. Unless, the, it, unless the, it happened after the game or something. But I don't know how it could have happened after the game. Unless, like there should have been fines or something given. If, if it happened after the game, that means someone broke protocol somewhere and went somewhere where they got it, which they aren't allowed to do. Right? Yeah. Maybe so, it was a hotel situation where an NHL representative had it or something like that. And it was I, in I the same area. I don't know. But if they did, if they didn't know specifically when or how the tracing happened of how those players got it, then I just mm. don't see how the literally the team from the game they played before was not observed at all. Like just maybe you guys should yeah, have a game pushed back just to make sure nobody tests positive because you can be asymptomatic and show, you know, false positives for a couple of days. And then then the real results start coming through. So I just I thought it was kind of weird that. We're slapping Carolina. They've had a couple of players test, even though the day before they just played a team and we're not going to 
address that. I think this is yeah. just the NHL wanting to try to push everything through and get everything. I mean, they don't want to push the, the schedule back and they don't want the games to be like Florida situation where you have so many in a row where like, I don't know what it's just, I don't know. There's, that's too many back to backs, no multiple yeah. days off in between, no week long break. Like you used to get like players are going to be pretty strange. worn out and tired when the season is getting near the end. That's what I think. Yeah. And it has a kind of a playoff feel to it. Like Montreal just played Vancouver three times in a row. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's going to get exhausting. Even from a viewer's perspective, watching your team play the same team two or three times going somewhere else and maybe coming back playing that team again. So it, it's kind of cool in a way, but it's also frustrating at the same time. So yeah, it's kind of like a mini series almost. It's like a baseball yeah, schedule yeah. or like it's a mini playoff or a mini. Yeah. So um, anyway, the players who were put on the COVID-19 protocol for Carolina were Fogel, uh, Martinuk, Jordan Stahl, uh, Teravainen and Slavin. And while they're on protocol or while there's, while those games are being postponed, they're not allowed to practice in their facility either. So the Carolina operations are completely shut down. Their last game that they should have played last night on Saturday would have been the last one. So they're good to go now. But mm. I don't know. It's just how many, how many more of these do you think we're going to see where we go a couple games with a team not being able to play and then eventually everything's just getting so backloaded that they're going to have to come up with something because there's just too many games to play at the end of the season. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm also curious to see. I mean, that's a good point. And I'm also curious to see what the contrast is between the United States teams and the, and the Canadian teams. Uh, the playoffs happened in Canada last year because the, there was more rules and regulations around COVID and they were more strict. Made sense. And so far, we've had Dallas, Carolina, uh, Washington, potentially. So if we're, are we going to go this entire year and only see American teams go through this kind of thing and further prove that the COVID situation rules-wise is being better followed in Canada? Or are we going to see a Canadian team break the rules? I'm, I'm thinking that we will. Not, not necessarily break the rules, but be in a situation where there's mm-hmm. a COVID situation. I don't... I think... We will see a Canadian team go through the same thing. And obviously there are more American teams than there are Canadian teams, but still, uh, it's just, uh, it's going to be something to keep an eye on and think about, I guess a little bit. Hmm. Um, so the NHL stopped using their tracking pucks. So they, yeah. they started this stuff in the, um, the playoffs last year. Like they remember they bring out all their new stats so people could bet on everything and, and players are tagged so you can see where they're and how fast they're going. And th- you can have this chip in the puck now that, so that, you know, if the goalie's covering it and there's a question of whether it went over the line now, they have an exact precise location of where that puck was. So even without a camera being able to see it, they can look at the data and say, yep, the puck yeah. was over the line. So all this great new stuff that was supposed to be coming out, but players were finding it. It wasn't working like the old puck. So Matthews was coming out saying, you know, it's just the texture on it's not as smooth. It just doesn't, it's not handling as well and stuff like that. So anyway, the NHL came up with a statement saying that the pucks basically weren't built to the same quality as they were for the playoffs. Mm. And that there is a noticeable difference between a regular puck and these new tracking pucks. So the tracking pucks are shelved for the time being. And they've gone back just to the regular old rubber. And I don't know, they're going to try to bring them back out down the road, I guess. But I didn't find a whole lot of broadcasters were using the advanced stats anyway. Like one of the questions Gary got asked on one of the calls was, you know, where's the NHL on bringing back this stat system or where is it? And Gary said, it's already in, it's just, you know, it's up and operational in every arena. 
it's just up to the broadcasters to to utilize it and they're just not. So I don't I don't know if that's just NBC doesn't care. Like sometimes they'll have you know, their overlays where they show like a play and they'll have the names popping up and it will follow them perfectly, but that to, that's basically the degree I've seen of the player tracking. Like I haven't seen any anything other than that. So unless it's only being used for betting purposes, you know, me as a viewer, I'm I'm not getting any benefit out of that tracking. So if if that tracking's not going to exist from my point of view, I don't see the point of having these these pucks that could be making it harder <laughs> for people to score or make passes or maybe it's bouncing too much or for whatever reason. Yeah. So I don't know. It just seems kind of foolish to me. I I've I don't even remember being told any advanced stat information in any of the games recently in the playoffs or maybe it just went in my mind and, and out in one ear and out the other, but yeah, I don't remember broadcasters even talking about it, really. I just figured that they weren't even using it. I haven't really been following the story. So interesting that they have been using it, and we just don't really know a lot about it, and that they stopped using it, which I think it's the right call from the NHL's point. Yeah, like the main the main issue definitely seems to be the finish on like the flat side of the puck. It's just not sliding across the ice as well, apparently. I mm. don't know if it's just rougher or it's not as smooth or maybe it's bouncing. Like I said, bouncing too much is just whatever reason. So anyway... Players spoken out they didn't like them, like Matthews, Crosby, some other players, and for the time being, they're not they're not using those anymore. Hmm. Well, interesting. Some kind of big news down in the states that NBCSN is shutting the doors. That's this is huge. Like in Canada, if you're a Canadian, it probably doesn't mean a lot to you. Nope. But in the sports world down in the states, like this is pretty big news. Like this is the rights holder to the NHL contract in the states for the national <laughs> broadcast. So, I mean, obviously they're competing against Fox Sports. They're competing against ESPN. They've got, you know, obviously they're, they don't hold a candle to those, those, either one of those. And for whatever reason, they're just decide to cut their losses and that's it. So, um, all of the NHL programming is going to be simulcast on the USA network, I guess now. And then they're just going to start transitioning that. And then at the end of the year, when NBCSN stops, everything that was, in terms of like NASCAR and NHL, those are all going to be shifted to the USA network, apparently, which is wow. kind of a weird thing to me to have it on USA network because USA network is not necessarily just sports. Obviously it's, yeah, it's lots of stuff. It's like a cable news channel, but anyway, so that's what's happening. Um, Did they do the Olympics? NBC, I don't think puts the Olympics on the sports channel. I think it puts it on their actual oh. NBC channel. So you're right. You're right. The the NBC SN is, but I mean, there's a lot of people that work for NBC SN, like, like Pierre Maguire and like all of those guys, like all of the broadcasters, oh, like, yeah. are, they, are they switching to, I assume they're switching to USA network. Is it just Does the Doc cha- still work for NBC? Doc is retired, but like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, what's the guy's name? What's the guy's name? That's we're going to, we're going to, we're going to win the cup and bring it back to Winnipeg. What's his name? I, I can't come on. Help oh, me here. Oh, geez. I Eddie Olchuk. Eddie Olchuk works oh, for NBC. Eddie Olchuk. I mean, there's lots yeah. of people that work for NBC Sports Network, and I assume they're going to shift to to the USA Network, but we don't know for sure. Mm. Like, what kind of merges are going to happen here? Jeremy um, Roenick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're used to. So, according to the Wall Street Journal, this is a good move. Apparently, it says they're putting, um, and Comcast is the one who owns NBC, so this is Comcast, the parent company that's making this decision. Um, oh, okay. Basically, it says they're getting rid of an underperforming asset, which is the sports network and boosting an already powerful one. Because I guess the USA network does well numbers wise. 
whatever they show on it. Like I'm not really mm-hmm. into the USA network, but apparently it's doing fine and adding more live sports to USA network will apparently make it better because that's generally speaking, PVR proof content that people will want to watch live. Mm-hmm. So the ads get seen live. But here's, here's my question for USA you. Network is. I think USA Network used to cover like wrestling, like WWF and WWE. And like, that's the oh, only thing geez. I remember from USA. But I think they have like drama shows and stuff on it, too, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, I don't know anything about it, really. So here's my question. Okay. Is this a sign that they do not want the NHL contract anymore because maybe they're not making enough money off it? Or maybe it's whatever reason they're just transitioning. They're going to focus more on USA Network and the content that it does. Mm. does this mean when the contract comes up for the NHL, NBC is no longer going to be fighting for it as hard as they would have been, which, which will leave only Fox and ESPN, which may in turn um, reduce the value of that contract. Because if NBC was in on it and then ESPN and Fox were bidding on it and NBC was like, you know, the former holder and they wanted to keep paying more, they would have paid a lot more to hold on to it. Maybe they're yeah. not, maybe they're not as interested anymore now with this getting rid of their network which takes them kind of out of the picture a little bit, which leaves Fox and ESPN, which, you know, when you have three people bidding on something, chances are it's going to be worth more than if you have two people bidding on something. So maybe the NHL is not going to get as much for their next TV that's deal. Good, if that's a good point, if NBC stayed, whereas now it's just going to be maybe potentially Fox and ESPN. Does CBS have a sports network? I don't know. Actually, I know CBS has shows sports on the CBS station. But I don't yeah. know if there's actually a... I don't think there is. Who does the NFL stuff? Uh, NFL's done by everybody. Like, and they all pay yeah. a lot of money. I think ESPN's the main one. Um, Fox definitely does NFL. NBC, I think, does some... I think ABC? I can't remember now. There's a lot. Everyone... Almost every network is spending at least a billion dollars a year on football somehow. Because they all want yeah, a piece well, of it, that pie. If it, if it is down to ESPN and Fox, both have a previous relationship with the NHL. I mean, everyone remembers the Fox tracking puck from... <laughs> The late nineties or whenever that was. And they could do it so much better now that they have a tracking chip in the puck. <laughs> they could. They really could. <laughs> uh, I hope I hope they don't do it, but competition is good. But I am worried, like you said, you made a really good point. The contract would be valued likely less, which means the NHL gets less, which means less growth, I guess, for things that the NHL wants to do financially. Like, I don't know, put teams in 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 China for a couple of games. Obviously that's different now with COVID, but you know, oh, yeah. and it, it's guaranteed income that raises the cap. Like players get that. Owners yeah. get that. Like that's huge money. Like they're banking on a big U S contract to come forward. Cause right now the Canadian contract's actually worth quite a bit more than the American one. So I, I, I guarantee you they were hoping to at least get more than what the Can- Canadians paid for it. But yeah. this would be like the equivalent of, um, it's not that really the same, but let's just say, you know, Rogers owns the NHL contract right now. And TSN bid against them and they were like $2 billion less. They weren't even in the same ballpark as them. This would be Mm. like Rogers saying we're out and now it's TSN versus CBC, which means, which means the NHL is going to get less money because neither one of those two teams are going to pay as much as Rogers is. So that's, that's my concern here is this move could actually affect the hockey world by affecting revenues and the caps and all that, because they're not going to get as much as they would have. Oh yeah, I forgot. I completely forgot about the cap. I'm glad you brought that up. That's going to affect the cap for sure. Oh, hundred percent. But they might still be in on it. Maybe, maybe the USA Network goes all in and like. But I, I don't know. It just seems a weird fit to me. Yeah, I agree. Moving on, I want to ask you. Speaking of money, do you think the NHL should expand their playoff format permanently? So instead of sixteen teams, twenty-four teams on the first round. 
in terms so of kind of like what we saw last year. Yes, exactly like what we saw, kind of. So in terms of COVID, revenues are down. Obviously, they're trying everything they can to make money to try to get back from it. You know, we're, we're seeing yep. ads, everything. If they can make money on it, they're going to try it. They're going to talk about it. So yep. what Jeff Merrick and Friedman and a bunch of other people said is it's a no-brainer just to expand playoffs. You get 50% more teams playing in the first round. Now, maybe right now it doesn't matter because you can't have fans in the building. I don't know if it affects TV contracts with advertising. Like maybe you get, you can charge more for ads. And I assume you can because like on the Super Bowl, those ads go for millions of dollars for a 30 second clip because it's the most viewed game. And I would assume the hockey playoffs are the same because the further you get up, the more people that have eyes on that product. So like Stanley Cup finals or whatever. So I'm just wondering if you have more teams in the playoffs, if just generally there's just more money. And obviously if you can have fans in the, in the, in the attendance, that's, that's where the big money is. But I know it's some people say it's not tradition. Like you're just, you're making it too easy to get into the playoffs. Gary Bettman, I don't think wants anything to do with it. He likes our, our, the regular season meaning something. And I, yeah. and I will argue that the NHL probably has the best regular season of the big four in North America. Like NBA doesn't really matter. You know, who's going to make the playoffs baseball kind of yep. the same in a way. Um, NFL, you, you know who the good teams are. And generally speaking, they, they go a long way, but NHL is really the, the league where, if you if you have you can have a bad performance in the regular season, it can cost you in the long run. And yeah, there is value in that. And I, that's the only argument I can really see um, for not doing this. But I kind of like having the 16 teams because I do like the regular season meaning stuff. But this is a no brainer move to try to make more money. And I'm just wondering what you think about it. Uh, you, you said you used the word tra- <laughs> you used the word traditional earlier, and it was a really good word to use because the traditionalists hate this and they're not necessarily wrong. Uh, I think, I think having a couple extra teams is, is exciting, but traditionally, yeah, it's better just to have the 16 teams, but this isn't a traditional season. Last year was not a traditional season. So I think even the traditionalists can step aside from their opinion a little bit and see the value from an NHL perspective, trying to gain more money, uh, more eyes, more sponsorships. Um, so it, I think the traditionalists should not be too selfish. Mm-hmm. We should move back to a traditional system once things go back to normal. I'm with them 100%. But we have to think about the NHL's health and future. And yeah, they make billions and billions of dollars and they don't need any more money. And that might be true. But if you compare the NHL to other sports, they're such a small dog in the fight. In the mm-hmm. fight, So all the money really, really counts for the NHL. So I am all for them going to a 24-team setup for the playoffs. It was exciting last year. I think last year's playoffs was the most exciting playoffs I've ever watched in my entire life. And it was not traditional. Mm-hmm. So I guess there's value in that from my perspective. And there, was, and there was upsets in the first round, just like we thought there would be. Teams that Absolutely. shouldn't have been in there got in. And that's, yeah. that's like I said, it shows the competitive, the competitiveness of hockey. Like anything can happen. Like it just, and it, yeah. we've seen it last year and the same thing could go this year. I, I'm with you for this year. I think you do what you got to do. It's already a shortened season of 56 games. So I don't know. I'm totally for it. I think it's fine. Yeah. Remove the regular season games down to 56, bridge the gap, add more playoff games. Yep. So I'm down with that. Um, I want to talk real quickly about the IHF 
uh, World Championships. This this was actually a big news story uh, at the beginning of last week. Um, and I don't want to get too big into the political stuff that is involved in this because this is straight up. This is basically um, Belarus and what's going on there. They had a fake election. There's just a bunch of protests going on there. Things are not good in Belarus right now. And yeah. it was actually Skoda that came out, who is a car manufacturer. I think they're owned by Volkswagen Group. Um, they came out and said that if you have these this tournament in Belarus, we are out. And they were the primary sponsor of the tournament. Like they're the ones that put, you know how when you watch IHF games, there's always a car in the corner. Oh, yeah. Those are always Skoda cars. Like they've been the big time main sponsor of this for a long time. And people on the online were super pumped when they did that. They were like, if this doesn't get them to change their ways, there's nothing else will. So like five days later, it was announced that they're pulling out and they're going to have it somewhere else. Wow. But they didn't say it was because of their primary sponsor pulling out. <laughs> they said, of course they didn't. It's they the IHF. Yeah. Rene Fassell, who's apparently he's a weasel. The more I read about him, the more I don't like him. And it seems like everyone yeah. who's in charge of these international sporting things, every, every one of them seem like they're garbage and they're, they're corrupt. And he was yeah. trying his darnest to get this event to be in Belarus from what I've been reading. And he money talks. And apparently that was the only thing that was going to happen here. And hats off to Volkswagen hats off to Skoda. They put their money where their mouth was and they said, we're out. And a bunch of other companies like Nestle. And there was a few other ones that pulled out as well after. Yeah. Good on them. But it's just, and they just, and they said, because, you know, after a couple of weeks of reflection and analyzing the situation in Belarus, we've decided that, you know, human rights and we've decided we're going to host this event somewhere else. When if Skoda wouldn't have pulled out, that tournament, you know, damn well would have been in Belarus. So absolutely money talks this. It's, it's such a bad look for the IHF. Like, I, it's just crazy to me that like how, how corrupt it is. Like, I just, it just drives me nuts. And I mean, it's nothing compared to the IOC. Like the Olympics is way worse. Like, but oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just brutal that you have to have an outside influence of someone who's your major sponsor in order to do the right thing. Like it wouldn't have cost them anything to move that tournament. Like it just would have been like, a phone call saying, sorry, you're not getting it anymore because you got to get your crap in order. Yeah. But instead of doing that, it was like, oh, well, we made a promise to this guy and maybe he's given us some money underneath the table to try to make this happen. And it's just ridiculous. I hate it. Yeah. And it's another bad look that's just added on to previous bad looks throughout the past years and years and years. Same with the IOC, like you said, same with the IAHF. Uh, very frustrating, but good on Skoda. Yeah. So that tournament will be moved. I don't know if it's been announced. Probably not where it's going yet, but it is going to be somewhere else. So that's good. Um, and then I just have a couple of little tid tidbits here that I want to finish off with. I think that's all it for my notes after this. So bone Byram made his debut for Colorado. He was, um, the captain of team Canada on the world juniors. Mm. So he's 19 years old. He was the fourth round pick for Colorado in 2019, which was amazing because Colorado was already good and they snagged a really good player. Yeah. Uh, he plays defense. Um, so he actually was very good in the first game he played. Uh, he had very good situation switch situational awareness. Um, <laughs> wow, what a jumble! Um, I thought he was very good. I actually watched the game. Um, he didn't look like he was lost out there. He he fit in. He didn't really do anything in the first game. He wasn't on the ice for a goal against. He wasn't on the ice for. But he 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 was fine. I didn't see anything wrong with his play, especially for a new player. The second game they played. Uh, who did they play the second game? It was against uh, Anaheim. Anaheim. He did get an assist on that game. And in the first game, um, he actually stopped a puck from going in the net. It actually went by the goaltender and he snagged it out of the air with a stick, knocked it to the ice and then cleared it real quick. So he's already Heck making yeah. an impact for that team that 
arguably doesn't need that impact because they're already a pretty good team. So <laughs> if you're a Colorado Avalanche fan, exciting times is what I got to say. Yeah, and his time on ice was 14-28 yep. against Anaheim there. And, and that's pretty good for a player that's never played in the NHL. It's the second game. For a defenseman, that's not great minutes. But for your second game in the NHL Absolutely. as a young kid playing 15 minutes. You're a teenager. And, and you're, yeah, you're literally a teenager. That's huge. Yeah. So I th- impressive. I think it kind of shows that this is going to turn into a pretty important player for them long term. Absolutely. Colorado is going to be scary for a while. Um, I wanted to talk about coaching staffs that have taken reduced pay. Have you heard anything about this? I didn't until I looked at your notes here. So, I'm surprised by this. Uh, Anaheim and Edmonton, 25%. So their entire front office is making 25% less because of COVID. Including the coach, Inclu- right? Inclu- I, think, I think it includes the coach. Okay. From what, I, from what the article said, it, it was just coaching staffs, which meant like the other people. Okay. Yeah. But it could be everyone. I'm not sure. So Columbus, Detroit, Los Angeles, Minnesota, and Montreal all took a 20% cut. And I mean, when you're paid okay. multiple million dollars, 20% is a lot. I mean, 20% is a lot no matter how much you make. Like, say you make, say you're the training guy and you make, I don't know, 80000 a year. I mean, 20%, that's pretty noticeable chunk you're losing there. If I made 20% less than I do now, I would not be able to live where I live. That's how significant 20% it's, is. It's pretty important. And a lot of the coaching staff... In terms of the front office and like, you know, you get the trainers and all that. Like, they're not super high paid people. Like, they're paid decently, but they're not like millionaires mm. down there. So, I mean, they probably need their money too. <laughs> like, <laughs> but anyway, what I did like, hats off to Montreal, is that Julian and Bergman were not the target of this. It was their people around them. So, like, other front office staff, other trainers, other okay. assistant coaches, they were hit with it. But they were left alone because, you know, they're important, I guess, coaching the GM. But... right. They volunteered to lose their 20% to be in solidarity with the rest of the team or the rest of wow. the, the staff. So they said, hey, if this guy here that works beside me is taking 20% less, then I'm going to take 20% less. And they did. Both of them did it. So hats off to Julian and Bergevin for solidarity with their fellow co-workers. Wow. That shows a lot of character. That's awesome. Uh, another quick note is Adam McQuaid retired last week or maybe the week before. It was when you and your he dad did. were on. I, I was supposed to put yeah. some stats in here about him, but I don't have any. Adam McQuaid was a... Good PEI boy. He, I was going to say, the only stat you need to know, he's from PEI. <laughs> yeah. He was, That's all he that matters. Was, as far as I'm concerned, he was, a, he was a Boston Bruin through and through. Like, he went to New York yep. and stuff, but um, he was a player. with Boston? He was a player I really liked. Like, he wasn't too defensively liable. Like, he wasn't the best defenseman they had, but he was tough as nails. He'd fight anybody. Heck yeah. He defended yeah. his teammates. He was a good PEI boy, and I'm going to say good career to Adam McQuaid. Congratulations on retirement. Good job, Adam. And then the last thing I have was uh, just a couple injuries. I don't have them all, but um, the big one was Joe Thornton. Joe Thornton is basically going to miss a month because he's yeah, got a rib, a, a rib fracture. So that's a big blow to Toronto. And a lot of people in Toronto seem to be happy with this because they weren't happy with Thornton being on the front fr- first line. <laughs> so now he thinks that actually the coach Keith is going to put good players on the first line out and actually have a proper first line, which is kind of funny, but they might be good players, but they're not really good players. Yeah. That's a bad impression. I need to work on it. <laughs> and then it's been, it's been a while. Good players, really good players. And then I just had Nate Thompson and Patrick Liney were moved to LTIR as well earlier last week. And that's it for my notes. Yeah. I just got a couple last things here on yours. I see though. Uh, yeah, one, two, two very insignificant things, but uh, one rather funny thing. So Tony Gian- Tony D'Angelo, do you know who that is? He's uh, a player for the yes. Rangers. Yep. So there's a wild 
rumor and a theory going. Have you read my notes I, here? I didn't. I seen the topic and okay. when I printed it, and I just kind of laughed. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I can't, it's it's so funny that I can't even believe I'm going to talk about it, but it's it it's that funny that I need to. So there's a theory on Twitter that Tony D'Angelo of the New York Rangers has multiple burner accounts, like fake accounts that don't say his name or they're just random, whatever. And he uses those accounts to defend himself <laughs> without having to defend himself as him. So Does that make sense? I seen a picture on Discord a couple days ago where there was some like New York hockey guy with a bunch of numbers on Twitter defending D'Angelo. Is this one of those type of situations? This is it. Okay, because I, yes. I did see that tweet and I was like, okay, what is this guy doing? Like, I don't understand what this is. <laughs> It's it's such a weird situation. So that from the viral nature of this, it's basically become a, a meme. If it's actually true, which obviously we can't prove, but the screenshots that people have posted of conversations that they've had with that account, if it is actually Tony D'Angelo, it makes him look so stupid. <laughs> so, uh, so the main account currently of all of the burner accounts is at NYR. Fan 92360244, and it has 1,886 followers as we're filming this, and it was created only this month. Okay, okay that is definitely the one I've seen. That is 100% <laughs> yes. the one I've seen. So, uh, ironically, after a previous potential burner account was banned or deactivated by Twitter, uh, this new one was created. And the most recent tweet, uh, which was less than 24 hours ago on this, on this, this account, says... Just for the record, since for some reason people keep saying this, I am not Tony D'Angelo, just someone who is sick of him being criticized by people who know nothing about the game of hockey. <laughs> that sounds exactly like something Tony Tony D'Angelo would say if it was actually him. It's just Can you imagine if that was him? Psychology. Oh That's, man. I don't know. Like I don't know. But it it gets deeper than this than this. So here's where some of the comedy comes in. People have been posting Rangers jerseys, uh, and instead of D'Angelo on the back, it says deactivated. Deactivated? <laughs> That's awesome. Because yeah. he had his previous accounts deactivated, hypothetically, if it is him. Uh, someone else on Twitter claimed that he went to high school with Tony, and apparently Tony D'Angelo always called it the game of hockey, just like he did at the end of that last tweet. <laughs> so there's a lot of conspiracy theories going on here. That's awesome. Um but regardless if it is actually Tony D'Angelo or if it's just some random person, the whole situation is hilarious. There are tens of thousands of people on Twitter invested in that account or these accounts being actually him. So it really is is a truly silly conversation and topic. I love it. But it's it's it, I love it. It's amazing. So yeah. The only other thing I wanted to talk about was kind of an update of what's to come in the channel. And this is subject subject to change. I did this last week and I didn't release all the videos that I, in the same order. And I think I didn't even release one of them. So this is subject to change. I just want to give you guys a heads up of what's coming on the productions channel. So Sunday, Colorado's new uniform change. Is it better? Is it worse? I've already actually released that as I'm filming this. Later on today, um, I'm going to let you guys choose the next jersey I buy. I've bought a lot of jerseys in the past three months, invested a lot of money. Now it's time to save a lot of money. I've sold a lot of jerseys, out with the old, in with the new. That's great. Now it's time to save some money. But I want to kick it off with a bang. I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to choose my next jersey. So I've gone through Cool Hockey. I've picked out every single jersey that I don't have in size 50. And uh, so I've made a video showing all those jerseys. And you guys are going to decide what the final jersey is that I buy for a while, probably till like April. So going out with a bang. 
Uh, Monday, which is tomorrow, as we're filming this, Reverse Retro number 11 is going to be unboxed. Uh, and Monday night, I'm going to try to rank the NHL locker rooms. <laughs> Whoa. Something that has been requested since 2017, and I've never done it. So uh, a Tuesday, I'm going to take a look at some OHL jersey concepts uh, from Justin Mercer. And Tuesday night, Reverse Retro number 12 unboxed. Wednesday, kind of a different video for me. What I think of the United States. Ooh. I, I don't know why, because my channel is not political or United States related. It's obviously hockey related, 98%. In the past four months, I've gotten a lot of comments that basically say, have you been to the United States and what do you think about it? It's that American pride, man. And uh, Yeah, and... Like I've responded to a couple of them, but I figured I'd just make a video and just talk about it. Where I've been in the United States, what I like, what I don't like. I, it's, I'm not going to make it super political. Don't worry. <laughs> but I, obviously people are interested, so I'm going to talk about it. Uh, Wednesday night is Chris and myself trying drinks from Sweden. Another one of those videos that were, was filmed almost two years ago. So I'm going to release that. Thursday, some actual NHL jersey concepts. Uh, it's been a while. These are from Nick Stella. Uh, very talented artist, actually, so I'm excited for those ones. Uh, Thursday night, I'm going to try to release one change I would make from each make to each NHL uniform. Ooh. That was a video I planned on releasing this week, but didn't get around to filming it, so it's going to be next week, or this week coming, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Friday, I'm going to try and do the NBA City jerseys, ranked. Have you seen these? Nope. They are incredible. I know you're not into jerseys and stuff, but these, some of these are... What do you mean by city jerseys? So for the Denver one, I think there's like a skyline on the front. And then Miami's, it goes from like a pink to a blue gradient. It's like very Vice City kind of colors. Yeah. I think the Raptors one, they've got some gold in it a little bit. Uh, What else? There's some just some funky designs. So they're they're pretty cool. Okay. And then Friday night, I think I'm going to do the NWHL logos, which is the Women's League. There's six teams. By the way, to all you people who are interested in the Women's League, they are streaming every single one of their games on Twitch. And there was just a couple yeah. on this past weekend. So if you're into watching that, you can watch them absolutely free. Just go to twitch.tv. And when they're playing, they'll actually usually be front and center on the main page. So you can check out some hockey for free. Heck yeah. That's a really good point to make. Uh, and then Saturday, I'm going to hopefully rank the inside of the NHL arenas based on their COVID setups. <laughs> That makes sense. I seen this note and it said COVID arenas ranked. I was like, man, what is he going to be talking about? Like how sick people are or whether they're viable to have people in there. But then I, then I was like, okay, I know what they're talking about. They're talking about the seat coverings and all that stuff. Yeah. Some teams went all out and their, their presentations and stuff are amazing. Other teams, not so much. People have been requesting it. So I figured I'd rank it. It's the hard part is finding the images. Not all of the teams have even played a home game yet, like Montreal. So images haven't even been released of the home setups. So. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it Saturday. It depends on if I can find all the images. But uh, yeah, that is that is everything that is coming this week on the production channel. Subject to change. There could be things added. There could be things removed. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you if you're subscribed over on my channel. That's all I got for, t- for this week. That's all I got too. So right. I'll, I'll, I'll let you close this off here in a second. But again, I just want to thank everyone for trying to work with us with this new YouTube setup. For you people who are audio-only listeners, you're probably tired of hearing about it. This is probably the last time we'll mention it unless we make a change again in the future. But 
We did make significant changes on YouTube. I'm hoping everyone found it fairly easy to watch this entire podcast on YouTube. Like I said, give us your feedback either in this video or in the very first video, the part one. That's it. Yeah, uh, we appreciate you. Don't think that we don't. That's why we're We've been doing this to listen we to make changes and exactly yeah uh so thanks guys for listening and watching however you however you consume the podcast uh, whether it's on youtube or itunes or google play or podbean or however you're listening to us uh, we appreciate you we listen to you we, we like your comments we like your your conversations and uh hope you're having a really really good day subscribe to the youtube channel if you're not we're trying to grow that one and uh yeah we'll catch you in the next episode thanks jason for doing all the notes catch you guys later adios